Good to be back. I appreciate all the prayers of the saints while I was gone. Uh, I had a great trip, accomplished a lot, and uh, was safe and uh, protected from all the things you can get when you're in a foreign country. Eddie, you can relate to that, right? (laughs) So, praise the Lord. Uh, Before we get started, let's just commit this time to the Lord. Fathers, we gather together here under your word. We pray that you might move us and stir our hearts, Lord, to being more like you. We pray, Lord, that the messages from Acts 16, that you will teach us something new about ourselves and about the work of the Lord and about those who are sold out to you as Christ's messengers. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Oh, I know what I forgot. The clicker. Need the clicker. Thank you. Okay, today we're going to talk, can impressions make a difference? Um, and I think they can. Let's see, I was, well, I'm glad you're here, Daryl. Maybe you came here as a blessing. And, and Angelo, this is for you too. As policemen, do people make an impression to you when you pull them over or stop them for something that they may be doing wrong? Do they make an impression on you? Daryl, do they make, and is it a quick impression? You kind of size up a person, Angelo, and in the first few seconds you talk to them. You kind of determine whether they're going to, this is going to be a bad situation or going to be a good situation, right, Angelo? So right away, an impression can make a big difference, and it's done very quickly. And so we're going to take a look at um, a couple of things here, and I want you to think about the impression you have when you see these, these graphics. Okay, it's been a while since I've used this clicker here. Luke. Top, side, bottom, which button here? Yeah, it's not working. I go... All right, so you want to, yeah, there we go. So I don't know if you can see this very well. It's uh, got too much light here. What is this? Picture of inside of a jail cell. Now, it's not like a jail cell that you would see today. This goes back during Paul's time. So take a look at this. This is inside, many men. Looks kind of dark and cold. Doesn't look like there are very many beds in there. Doesn't look like they're being well taken care of. Okay, next. And here's a couple prisoners. Uh, They happen to be chained against the wall. And not only that, they have something on their feet called woodstocks. And um, if they tried to escape, I don't think they would be very successful. (laughs) They're not going to get too far when they're in stocks held together and also chained. So it doesn't look like a very comfortable uh, situation. Next. Now here is a picture of a Philippian jail where Paul was. Um, It doesn't look too inviting, does it? It's not a place where I'd want to be. Not a place at all. 
Anybody know where Philippi is? What's that? Yeah, in Greece. Next. This is where it's located. If you look at the red arrow here, you'll see where Philippi is located. It's in Greece. Now, after you've seen these pictures, what would your impressions be about having to go to jail there? Would they be good impressions or would it be a bad impression? Is this some place you would want to go to? I don't think so. Not at all. Well, in, impressions can influence our thinking and also can influence our actions as well. But uh, let's get a definition of what an impression is. A first impression is the, is the event when one person first encounters another person and forms the mental image of that individual. Impression accuracy varies depending on the observer and the target, which either could be a person, it could be a place, or a thing. And the result of your impression could be either good or it could be bad. And in some cases, you might be indifferent about it. Now, we're very familiar with first impressions. Um, I think most of us use a computer. Everybody here go online and let's say if you're going to go visit a place or you're going to look for Airbnb place to stay, like at Don's place, you want to stay at Don's place, you look for a review, don't you? TripAdvisor, you familiar with TripAdvisor and Yelp and lynda.com? These are all places you can go to where people have written about their first impressions of an event or a place that they've been to or even about people. So we're very familiar with first impressions. Now, where can some first impressions be made? Well, it could be done in business. You know, in the business world, I know Gary and I, we're involved with lots of people at Safeway and new people would come on board in our company, especially when Albertsons came on and took over the company. We had some first impressions about individuals, didn't we, Gary? We thought, oh my, what are we getting into? And it didn't take long to formulate those first impressions, only a matter of seconds. And uh, after I've been gone for a couple of years now, my first impressions really haven't changed. Gary, same with you, same impression? Yeah. So first impressions can really influence what you think about an individual or about a situation. Um, another is maybe a restaurant you've been to. Oftentimes, if somebody tells you about a, a restaurant, you say, well, how was it? Was it a good place? I know Dorothy and Angelo, they love Italian restaurants, and they know we like Italian mm -hmm. restaurants, so they'll let us know, hey, we went to this fabulous Italian restaurant, you gotta go. And it's because of their first impression. And I think first impressions are very important in Don's field of business, Airbnb. How important are those first impressions to your clients, Don? Yeah, makes you, makes you or break you. It's very important, you know, that there's a good first impression. Why? Because you want them to come back, right, Don? Plus, you want them to broadcast it out on the Internet so everybody else knows so you get more customers. Another area where first impressions are interesting, and uh, Don and some of Don's family are going to laugh on this one, but I was thinking about it. Don and I had a conversation together. First impressions with in-laws, <laughs> right? 
I mean, you're really tuned in when you look at in-laws or you look at prospective, you know, husbands for your children like Colleen's husband and Daryl. I said, Colleen, you sure you want to marry Daryl? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> but first impression, I mean, I always had a good impression about Daryl. Never had a problem with Daryl. But again, those first impressions are important. Keep that in mind, young people who aren't married yet. Make a good impression on mom and dad so you will get their blessing. And first impressions are also important here at the chapel. When someone new comes through this front door and they leave after an hour of the meeting, what impression is on their mind about Calvary Bible Chapel? Very important. People there friendly? Are people teaching the word of God? Are they true to the word? Do they love the Lord? Do they have smiles on their face? Or do they look all grumpy and look unhappy? What are the people like? I know when I first uh, went to um, Fairhaven Bible Chapel, the first time I went there, there was something, they made a big impression. My first impression was, man, there's something different about this place. People have smiles on their face. Most of the people I hang out with, they don't have smiles on their face. You know, they're always grumbling about something, right? Complaining. But there was something different there, you know? That's the way it is. When they come, people come through our front door and go out, do they leave there and say, man, there's something different about these people? But what is it we do that can cause them to have that feeling that there's something different? We'll get into that a little bit more. But our main focus about first impressions this morning is not about a, an Airbnb experience or a business experience. This is more of experience, first impressions we, were gonna, we would have with people. You know, studies have shown that it only takes a quick glance, just three to seven seconds to formulate a mental image about an individual. Can you imagine that? Three to seven seconds. I just paused for three to seven seconds. It's short. And someone in that short a period of time will gain a mental image of who you are. Very small slice of time, and that person will form an opinion about you based on one or more of the things they see in you. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, there you go. Thanks. You got it now? Okay. Here's some things that people often focus on on an individual when they talk to you. Your appearance, what do you look like? Is it important to have good grooming? Yeah, I think so. They can formulate an opinion about you just like that. I know in the business world, when people came to interview, one of the first things I looked at, well, was punctuality, was one of the first things. But what they wore, how they took care of themselves, were they tidy, were they well-groomed, did they take care of themselves? Um, I'd look at the body language. You look at body language individuals as to 
you know, how they are when you're in a conversation with them. Are they looking you square in the eye or are they turning away from you? You relate to that, huh, Matt? It makes you wonder, you know, when you see somebody not looking you in the eye, it brings question as to who is this person really? About their demeanor. Are they complaining all the time? Are they angry? They look frustrated, not happy people. Mannerisms, are they, you know, <laughs> you know, some people really get moving around. But they get like that and you wonder, wow, what kind of person is this? Just mannerisms. Yeah, there's how you dress, we talked about that. And also how you respond. Do they respond clearly to you? Are you looking at them in the eye? Are you listening to what they're saying to you? Are they responding based upon the questions that you might ask? Very simple things to keep in mind when you're interviewing or talking to others. Form an impression. All right, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh creator, you know the author Winnie the Pooh, A.A. Milne, had great insights to human behavior through the characters he wrote about. And um, I often, you know, Winnie the Pooh was a favorite of my kids. They always liked Winnie the Pooh. And there was uh, three characters in, in their stories that were always interesting and had interesting characters. One was Tigger, always bouncing, always happy. Then there was um, Winnie the Pooh. He was kind of an interesting character. He loved what? Honey. Yeah, he was a fanatic for honey. But then there was another character I've used all these years. All right. Who do you think that is? Eeyore, right? Eeyore. And um, did I use Eeyore, Colleen, and when we were growing up? You know, Often, yeah. I want to play a video here of um, these three characters, and, and I want you to look very carefully at the three and, I, and look at their character, and I want you to formulate your first impression of these three characters, okay? Go ahead, play it. Who left feeling unsettled? Who left feeling unsatisfied and a little out of sorts. A little more volume. In fact, he was so distracted by his rumbly tummy that he didn't notice that he was walking onto the next paragraph. What is a paragraph? It's a group of sentences that form a complete thought. Is there honey in this paragraph? Oh, sorry, Pooh, no. Well then, I don't find it very useful. What's that, Pooh? I'm not sure. I shall follow it to see where it leads. Eeyore, your tail. Yep, unraveled. Guess I'm back where I started. I'm sorry, Eeyore. Such a nice tail, too. No matter. All good things come to an end. Oh, oh, Eeyore, if you... Oh, oh, oh. This story is going too fast. As the group continued on with Rabbit's plan, 
they journeyed deeper and deeper into the woods, placing items hey, hey. as the... You want to keep it down up there, pal? What, Tigger? Why aren't you with the others? Because I'm busy tracking the bags and... Shh, shh, shh. Yes, but what about Rabbit's plan? Only a Tigger can catch a bat and, and I'm the only Tigger thing. Oh. <gasps> Hello? Probably deserved that. Oops! Look who it is. <laughs> Let me get off your back. Yeah, we go. You know, I thought you were a bag fan until I found out you wasn't. What are you doing out here, anyways? Too slow. Got left behind. Left behind? Well, that's a horrendous thing to do to a guy. No matter. Sure would like to help Christopher Robin, but I can't. Hmm. Buddy. Where do you think you're going? You and me are going to catch that bat thing together. Thanks, but I... Death to spirit! Here we go! How do you have it found? Mm. You and me! Oh, yeah! Look out, bat thing! Okay, we're back! Look at us, bounce! I'm alone. Okay. Whew. Buddy, if you're going to pounce, you got to have some bounce! We just need to get you cigarized. Gonna fix you up. By the time we're through, I'll be Tigger 1, you'll be Tigger 2. It's gonna be great. It's gonna... <laughs> you gotta have some bounce. Well, how quick did it take you to form this mental impression about Tigger? Pretty quick? You get quick? Very energetic character, isn't he? Hyperactive, fun-loving has a smile on his face, concerned about others around him. And he loves playing detective. And he prides himself on never getting lost. That's Tigger. And then we have Winnie. You know, he's generally a kind person and towards everyone. And he's kind of childlike and likable kind of guy. He can be very courageous in tough times in consulting and when trouble occurs. And of course, Pooh is known for his loyalty toward honey. He's a fanatic over honey. Now then we have Eeyore. He's a different kind of character. Eeyore is generally characterized as pessimistic, gloomy, depressed, hardly ever happy. And even when he is, he's still sarcastic and a bit cynical. Do you see any of these characteristics in your life? Have you ever shown these characteristics in your life? They can have an impact on people. That's why I would say to my daughter when she was growing up, and, are you an Eeyore today? <laughs> Just to remind that these characters aren't good character traits. Well, one thing about impressions, they're nearly impossible to reverse or undo. Have you ever noticed that? When you had an impression about something or someone, it took a long time before you ever changed your mind. So it often sets the tone for the relationship that follows. And we will see through this morning's message how two God-fearing men change the lives of people in the most unlikely place.
You would never have thought of that if this was you. The two were dedicated to the Lord's service. They loved people. They loved the Lord. And it had huge hearts toward the unsaved, which you'll see in, in this story in Acts chapter 16. And even so that they loved the Lord, they served others, yet they were falsely accused here in today's scriptures. They were hated, they were mistreated, they were beaten, they were thrown into jail illegally, and they were locked into stocks. And regardless of their circumstances, one of the things that's very unique about, the, about both of them, they did not retreat from their trials. They never wavered from serving the Lord while they were in this condition. But they only served him, and they rejoiced in the Lord than the most difficult trials that one could ever go through. They rejoiced always. They did not become introspective. They didn't focus on their own woes. But they were focused on the Lord, his service, and focused on lost souls around them. And as we read through today's passage, develop uh, impressions of these two men and ask yourself, had that been me, would my thoughts and actions be the same? Would I have reacted exactly the way these two did in these terrible conditions? So if you open up your Bibles to chapter 16, you want to put uh, slide 10 up, please? There you go. Acts chapter 16 will begin in verse 16. And we're going to take just portions of this and then comment on each portion. So now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought their masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Lord Most High who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Now, prior to this, it's, it's really interesting. Paul and Silas, they had been to the riverbank, and Lydia was there, and they proclaimed the gospel to her and those around her, and she was saved. And uh, just think of Paul and Silas, how encouraged they would be in preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, see them baptized, and going on for the Lord. Wouldn't that be exciting? But now we have another situation. Now Paul is out preaching the gospel in Philippi, and uh, he encounters this woman. And um, this woman is saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. And she's following him all around. So, as she's following Paul, Paul is thinking, you know, this, this person is a fortune teller. You know what a fortune teller is? Someone who predicts the future. Someone who predicts what's going to happen in a person's life. And um, she made her living by this. She was not a believer, 
She did not have the Holy Spirit in her. And keep this in mind. She did not at this time have the Holy Spirit in her. But she had what? An evil spirit in her. Satan was using her to predict the future. Now, as the scripture said, her slave owners, they profited from her because many of the people in the town came to her to predict their future. Now, does that happen today? People want to know about the future. They don't go to the scriptures. They're going to go to see a fortune teller. Or they may read the horoscope each day to predict what their life is going to be like that day. Happens today as well. People are always looking to the future, but they're never looking to the scriptures about future. And the thing that's interesting here is that she followed Paul for many days. Just think, can you imagine what it was like to be followed by this individual crying out like a billboard, you know, about these are the servants of God, servants of the Most High God. Be a little bit annoying, wouldn't it? Be a distraction. So she followed Paul for many days and became, he became so annoyed by her, he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And immediately that Spirit came out of her that very hour. And here we see how the Holy Spirit worked in Paul's life to move Paul to realize it was time to put a stop to what this girl was saying. And he did it. Well, do we have similar situations in our society today where people are crying out like this and we know they're not believers, they may sound like believers, but they're putting out false information. Satan uses these individuals. But when you see someone out that's doing something that's distracting the gospel from getting to those that you encounter, what do you do? Do you stop them? Well, Paul and Silas, they did. They stopped it immediately. Now, the question is, was the shouting causing people to be focused on the gospel message? Or was it focusing on the fortune teller, the slave girl? Well, we don't know exactly what was taking place, but we only can tell from Scripture that the Holy Spirit enabled Paul to see that the girl wasn't a messenger from the Most High God, but was a servant of Satan. The Lord empowered Paul to command the evil spirit controlling this girl. He had that power given to him to leave in Jesus' name. And the evil spirit obeyed, left the girl, stopping her from being used by the evil spirit to distract others coming to Christ. Next slide. Verse 19. But when her masters saw that her hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. 
and they teach customs which are not lawful for us. Being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer be kept, keep them uh, securely. Now, do you think Paul or Silas were expecting this kind of thing to happen to them after seeing Lydia, Lydia saved and baptized? This is probably the last thing they were expecting. But we see that after the girl had been set free, she no longer was controlled by this evil spirit. And this was a good thing, but her owners were very unhappy about this because she was the source of their income. She was going to affect the bottom line because she's not going to be telling, predicting the future in people's lives anymore. She cannot be used by them. So their income has been cut off. And that's why they were so angry. The woman was no longer able to predict the future. It infuriated the owners. They were enraged and they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace and brought them before the rulers of the city. Did Paul and Silas expect that? No. What do you think was going through their mind at this time? Were they thinking about what was happening to them? Or were they thinking about what the Lord had in mind for later on? Well, they told the authorities, these men are causing trouble in our city because they are Jews, not telling others about things which we Romans are not able to accept or follow. Do you hear that today, what's happening in our society where they want to remove the Ten Commandments? Even recently, they talked about changing the name of the Boy Scouts. Judeo and Christian thought in which this country was built on is being watered down more and more as the, as the decades go by. And we as Christians are getting more um, challenged by those around us. And when you do get challenged, are you afraid to speak up? Will you speak up and challenge those around, around you? Paul and Silas did. They weren't afraid because they knew they, they were servants of the Lord and they were going out preaching the truth, preaching the gospel to those that needed to be saved. Well, not only did the authorities rip off the clothes of Paul and Silas, but the crowd joined in and attacked them as well and beat them with rods, and they were put into prison. Verse 24. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks. You know, the leaders commanded the man in prison to take charge, to secure, and not let these guys out. They don't want anybody in town to hear about the Lord. They don't want anybody in the town to hear about the gospel message. 
So when the jailer received the leader's orders, he took Paul and Silas far back in this prison. There were no outside walls and put their feet into stocks. The interesting thing is, I looked up about stocks, and why would they be used? I mean, they're chained up. Isn't that good enough? Well, it's interesting. Stocks of wood were put on the feet of those who were the most dangerous criminals. What does that tell you about what they thought about Paul and Silas? They were dangerous people, dangerous criminals. Now, as you read through that, you wonder, wow, how could they be dangerous criminals? They're, they love the Lord. They're serving the Lord. They're telling others about salvation. They're bringing the good news about who Jesus Christ is. They're good men, faithful to the Lord. Why did they want to shut them down? Well, look at today's society. Is it any different today? It's no different. They want to silence the word. They want to silence the name of Jesus. They want to silence the gospel message. But are you going to stay true to the word and not be ashamed? Are you going to share the gospel message with those even though that others around them might be offended? Well, Paul and Silas, they were true. True to the word. Well, they had not done anything wrong to be treated in this manner. They were not in danger to anyone except Satan's kingdom. And as a result of the beatings given to them, their bodies would have been covered with sores, covered with blood. And just think, not only that, they're sitting in a cold, damp cell after being beaten and whipped. Had you been in Paul and Silas's situation... What would you do as you lay there in a dark, cold cell, feet bound in stocks? Would you cry out, I want to go home? <laughs> I want to get out of here. The work is too hard. I can't, I can't do this anymore, Lord. I can't take being punished as a criminal for obeying you. I'm hungry, and I shout how unfair this treatment is. How could God allow such treatment to happen to me? But did you hear any of these cries come from Paul in these verses? We don't hear those cries. They were not focused on their trials. But God gave them a supernatural way to focus on him. A supernatural way, a way that is so different than others when facing difficulties. And you know, as believers, we have the power from the Holy Spirit to respond with faith and courage. We have the same God as Paul and Silas. It's no different. Well, next, Paul and Silas will show us how the Holy Spirit enables believers to respond 
in a very difficult way. Verse 25, and this is amazing. To me, this is one of the key verses. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Uh, They were singing it good and loud so everyone around could hear. Can you think of some songs we sing to praise God to lift you up out of your distress or out of your trials? Has there been times when you were so down and out that hearing a hymn just brought you up and lifted you out of the sorrow into joy? I think for many of us, we've experienced that. Well, what's some of the songs that Paul and Silas may have sung if they knew the songs that we sing? I want you to listen to a few.
you up. Now just think of those around them. You know, here are these men falsely accused, beaten, thrown into prison, and um, the jailer's there, the prisoners are all there, and they're hearing all this going on in the background. They're not hearing any complaining, but they're hearing these two men singing praises of the Lord. That left a mighty impression on the jailer, left a mighty impression on the criminals around them. They were focused. These both these men were filled with the Holy Spirit and they chose not to focus on their unfair treatment. They chose not to, but focused on God's character and God working through them. Because the these two men knew the Lord, they knew that their God was powerful. They knew that their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had suffered far more than they had when he was crucified on the cross. Because they chose to worship and praise God in their difficulties, it caused the other prisoners to listen to them as they prayed and sang. The Holy Spirit enabled Paul and Silas to be a witness for Jesus to the prisoners which left long-lasting impressions that would lead to their salvation. In Acts 16.26, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm, or do yourself no harm, for we are here. Then he called for a light, that was the jailer, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved 
you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Look at the impressions that Paul and Silas made on these criminals, the jailer and the jailer's family. Look at the results of it. By them not succumbing to their own woes, but having the joy of the Lord. Singing praise and hymns. And can you imagine what it was like when the earth was shaking? You know, sometimes when that train comes by, do you feel the floor shake a little bit when it comes through here? Well, they didn't have trains in those days, but boy, when that ground started shaking, it got their attention. Of course, when the walls started crumbling, those doors opened up. And, of course, in Roman law, it says that if you lost a prisoner, you would be killed. That was the law of the Romans. So he was in fear when he saw that the gates were open, the walls were down, and now these loose prisoners, that he was given authority to make sure that they were secure. He was afraid they were going to be gone and he would be put to death. But Paul and Silas stood there. They didn't leave. Now, had you been there, would you have left? Um, if it was me, I probably. <laughs> Number one, I'd be running because of the earthquake. The Lord gave both of them real insight as to what was going to happen. They stayed. They didn't run away out of fear because they knew the Lord was with them. He was not afraid. And of course, when you get in a difficult situation, whatever it may be, you know, Lord, you don't need to run away. The Lord is there with you. He will help you and guide you just as he did with Paul and Silas. The impressions that they left on the jailer was amazing. And there's results, as a re results of salvation for him and his family. Well, like Paul and Silas, you as believers, you know, what impressions do you want to leave on those around you? Do you want to leave the same impressions? When those around you see you going through trials and tribulations, are they going to see you strong in the Lord? Are they going to see you unwavering? Are they going to see you as the Lord's messenger and servant? Even amongst the trials. That's when people really will come around to you. When they see you going through a trial, they'll come to you and say, wow, I realize the trial you're going, but you still have joy in your face. You still have joy in the Lord. Why can't I be like that? Gives opportunities. There are opportunities. When people are troubled and going through trials themselves, they will come to you. Well, what are some good practical things that we could do to leave a good impression? I have to go all the way to the back or front here. Which one? Slide 17. 
Okay, what are some practical things we can do to really show others that we're different? One, leave a good impression. Present yourself appropriately. They say a picture is worth what? A thousand words, and it's so true. Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Another practical thing, be yourself in Christ. Don't be somebody you're not, but be yourself in Christ. The best way to create a good impression is being your authentic self in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Have a winning smile. Isn't it always good when you see people smiling? I always want to be around a person that's got a smile on their face. Do you want to be around a person that looks like Eeyore? Burp. You know, sad face. Have a winning smile. Smile and the world smiles too. There's nothing like a great smile to give a good first impression to someone. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And what does it say rejoice? What? Always. Always rejoice. Does that mean in your trials? Yeah, even in your trials. Rejoice always. Next is have a good attitude. Your attitude shines through in everything you do. So project that good attitude around those that you face each day. Even amongst the trials, criticisms, or disappointments, show a good attitude. Don't grumble, complain. Say, woe is me, it's happening again. James 1, 1 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance, there's a key word. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in what? Nothing. There's a promise from God right there. Lacking in nothing. And then the other is, be courteous. Be courteous. And attentive. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. James 1.19, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Be like Jesus. Be like him. Ephesians 5.1.2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice 
to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. For those here that are professing to be born-again Christians, if you're experiencing or facing difficult trials, remember that you have the power of God in you to overcome whatever comes your way. You might say that, well, I'm not like Paul or Silas. But you really can be. You can acquire the same power that they have. You have the ability to have the same power that Paul and Silas had. You can have the power of God. God promises that. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. See, it's not in us, it's in, in God. That's where we have the power to get through these times. It's through him, not us. As soon as we start thinking about ourselves, in us, we're going to fail. We're going to be that Eeyore. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. In Romans 5.13 Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may be abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the challenge this morning, what will I do to make good first impressions? What can I change in my life to make good first impressions for the Lord? If there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord today, come and talk to me. But you may be like the jailer, his family, who heard, and they cried out, what must I do to be saved? Come and talk to me. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for these examples of Paul and Silas, Lord, the, your servants. They kept focused on you. They never wavered. They gave you praise, gave you all the glory amongst their trials. You lifted them up. You encouraged them. They never feared in their condition, but they went forward in your strength. And we pray for those today who are going through trials and disappointments and discouragements. We pray, Lord, that they would appropriate your power. We pray, Lord, for them, that you would make them like Paul and Silas, and that they would rejoice in the Lord, and that those around them would see that they are in Christ, and they are making a difference in Christ. And we do pray this in Jesus' name.